Hello everyone, this is Sonali Mangal and welcome to another episode of Learn, Educate, Discover. On this podcast, we invite people from different professions on each of our episodes and we ask them a range of questions to try and understand what their job is all about. The goal of this podcast is to try and educate our listeners about as many different kinds of jobs as we can so that someone listening to the show can decide does a certain job sound interesting to them and if yes, how do they go about exploring it further. Now on today's episode, we'll be talking to someone about their journey as they transitioned from one field to another. We'll be speaking to Sarah Cooper and Sarah moved from tech. She was working at Google. She was working as a designer and from there she moved to working as a comedian and today she works as a comedian full-time and she's doing very well. She is the creator of the blog called thecooperreview.com, which attracts more than 100,000 readers per month. And in fact, I do encourage you to check it out because it has a lot of very, very funny material. Her work has been published in very well-known publications such as The Washington Post, Fast Company, and Business Insider. And she's also written books such as 100 Tricks to Appear Smart in Meetings, which did very well and again is filled with hilarious tricks on how you can appear smart in meetings. So on today's episode, Sarah will be sharing her thought process as she made this move from tech to comedy, the kind of challenges that she faced, how she overcame them, and her advice for anyone who might be in a similar position where you are considering making a move from one field to another and the kind of things that you might want to think about. So I hope you find this discussion helpful. And with that, let's welcome Sarah. Sarah, hello. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. Of course. Thank you so much for making time for this. It's so nice to have you on. I, I really feel as if I'm talking to a celebrity right now <laughs> because, uh, I mean, you're clearly doing well. You have so many followers now. How does it feel? It, I don't know how long it's been since you've been doing this, but you're clearly making waves. I heard you on the Kara Swisher podcast, which is, I'm, I'm assuming that's a big deal. Yeah, that was um, a great way to start the year. Um, she was doing a special on comedy and tech and they asked me to be on the show and she's kind of been one of my heroes. So yeah. getting to meet her and chat with her for an hour was awesome. Um, I've been you know, doing this for about three uh, years now. And uh, I mean, it, it's, it feels uh, great. It feels like really awesome to talk to people who've heard of my books and read my articles and uh, things like that. Um, but at the same time, it still feels like I'm on, you know, I'm, I'm still trying to get to the next thing and still trying to, you know, grow um, my audience bigger and, and do more things. So I, I think, you know, no matter where you are, you always feel like you want to get to the next thing. Yeah, yeah. I, but three years is not that long. Yeah, at all, you know, in the, <laughs> given how these things tend to go. So that's, that's amazing. Congratulations. Um, I, I wanted to start with some of your work and but I want to spend the bulk of the discussion on your journey because the, the main thing that I want to get out of this discussion is your advice for someone who might have been who might be in a similar position as you were when you were thinking of making this move and things you mm -hmm. might have thought of uh, but just coming to your work very quickly because you really are super funny I I, I want to uh, just quickly touch upon your tricks to appear smart in meetings which I believe is one of your first pieces that went super viral correct Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So can you share some of your tricks? Oh, sure. Yeah. Um, yeah, this, uh, this was a lot of this was from observation and, uh, just seeing what people did in meetings when 
it was obvious that they, they weren't really paying attention. Um, the first trick was the very first thing that I uh, witnessed someone do, which is get up and draw a Venn diagram, um, <laughs> which really had nothing to do with what we were talking about. And I felt like it was pretty ridiculous. But instead of, uh, you know, being called out on this ridiculous Venn diagram, uh, everyone else in the meeting just tried to help him draw a better Venn diagram. Um, and then he was able to sit back down and go back to what he was doing on his laptop. And so that was the first trick that um, I ever observed. And that's the number one trick uh, in the list. That was um, a, uh, not to cut you off, but this was based on your real life <clears throat> observation. Yeah, um, this was while I was working at Yahoo. Um, that was uh, seven years before I actually put out the article mm. is when I wrote these uh, the, that first observation down and I kind of forgot about it. And then I discovered it again when I was moving um, this old journal that I had and I decided to finish the list. Um, another favorite one was, uh, translate percentages into fractions, which I saw <laughs> someone do as well. Um, where, you know, someone presented some statistic about how 25% of people had clicked on the button and someone chimed in with, Oh, about one in four and made a note of it. And, uh, I noticed that everybody was pretty impressed with his quick math skills, even though that's a pretty simple, <laughs> um, translation there. But, um, so that's another one of my favorite ones I've never actually uh, gotten to do myself. Um, another great one that I, I love, uh, is pacing around the room, mm. um, because it's something that you don't have to actually speak, uh, or say anything, but as soon as you get up from the table and start to walk around, people are wondering what you're doing and what you're thinking and, uh, if you're going to leave or if you're going to stay. And so it just kind of creates this air of intrigue, um, that makes you look uh, smarter in a meeting. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, those are some, a few of them. Yeah. That, those are, I mean, when you, when you hear them say it, you can imagine them in your head and say, Hey, I, I think that would work. I think there's another yeah. one that you share on, uh, let's take a step back, which I think yes. is very common now, but it does make you look smarter or, <laughs> or will it scale? another good one yeah i was asking will will it scale no matter what it is uh that's always a good one uh <laughs> everyone wants to know if this if this is going to scale if it's uh whatever the hell that means uh yeah. so that's a good question to ask and i i always asked uh let's take a step back here uh because you know a lot of times you're in a meeting and people are kind of shouting out their ideas and you have nothing really to say, but if you can kind of stop everyone and say, hey, guys, let's take a step back here. <laughs> yeah. You know, what problem are we really trying to solve? Uh, you can kind of be seen as the person who took control of the meeting again, even though you didn't actually contribute anything. Yeah. yeah. So I, it's interesting that you mentioned that you took note of the, the Venn diagram uh, observation. That was seven years before you actually put out the article. So you, mm -hmm. so it's, it's, it sounds as if you, I mean, the comedy thing, either consciously or unconsciously was, was there somewhere in your life for a long time? Yeah. I mean, I always wanted to be in entertainment. Um, when I was younger, I wanted to be a singer and then I wanted to be an actress and I didn't really pursue theater in college. I, I did a few plays here and there, um, but I ended up with an economics degree and then I uh, found digital design um, and started, uh, you know, playing around in Photoshop and doing user interface design. And I really love that. But I think that part of me that really likes observing people and seeing how they act in public situations um, 
I, you know, it never, it never turned off. And so I was always observing, um, even in my first job, which was as an art director at an ad agency, uh, I always noticed that my, uh, my boss and my, this, the, uh, owner of the company would come by and look at, you know, what I did or look at what somebody else did and just be really unimpressed with it. And I always thought to myself, oh, that's, you know, that's how you get ahead is you just act unimpressed with everything. Um, and nothing is ever good enough. Um, so I think even, even from a very like early point in my career, I was always just observing what the, you know, the well-respected or this seemingly smart people did in, in these mm-hmm. situations. Mm-hmm. And were you, the, the habit of journaling, the habit of taking down these notes, was that something like, why were you doing that? Um, I am terrible at taking notes on what I'm supposed to be taking notes on. <laughs> and so I always uh, would bring a notebook and a pen and I would end up like uh, doodling. I would write down, you know, if there was a word or a phrase that someone used repeatedly, I would count how many times they said it. Um, so I, I was never good at actually writing down what I was supposed to be writing down. Um And this was another instance of that where obviously we were discussing something in that meeting. I have no idea what it was. We were trying to make some decision. But what I was kind of looking at was how people were acting in the meeting. Mm. But but, but it sounds as if you, you were able to collect material over a long period of time, right? Like you weren't making maybe sort of work notes, but you were making these other notes. Exactly. Yeah, I was. Um, I, yeah, I think it's something that... Um, is something that just comes natural to me is just um, sort of observing, you know, more how people are saying things versus what they're saying. Um, and so, yeah, I, I it, it uh, people always ask me how long it took to, you know, write that article and, you know, finishing it once I discovered that notebook was, you know, a few days, but it actually was many years exactly. in the making because it took years of observations um, yeah. for me to put put that together. Yeah, I mean, so the reason I'm asking this is that I w- I'm curious to understand that um, when did you consciously decide to, you know, make a serious foray into comedy? So was it just something that was happening unconsciously? Like, you know, you were just enjoying these, you know, just observing these things that were happening around you, which seems ridiculous to you? And then, you know, suddenly one day you decided to leave or how, how, how did that come to be? Well, I, um, I left Yahoo um, around the time that I was 30 and I decided to pursue acting again, um, that childhood dream that I had. And I was focusing on acting while doing design on the side as a freelancer. And I was not very good at acting. I was really disappointed in the opportunities I was getting. And I felt like I was just very stiff on camera and didn't really know how to be comfortable. And so I was trying everything. I was taking classes. uh, I was taking singing lessons. I was taking, you know, anything that I could try to get to make me a better performer. And the one thing that I hadn't tried was stand-up comedy. And I just thought that if I could get on stage and be myself and talk in my own words, that maybe that would help my acting. But I found that I really liked writing my own lines basically and being myself more than trying to be a character and making an audience laugh versus trying to make them cry. Um, Mm -hmm. So 
I kind of discovered stand up then, but I, I wouldn't say that I took it seriously then. You know, I, I was performing a lot and I was, um, still trying to be an actress at the same time. And I eventually ran out of money and I was in, um, like $20,000 of credit card debt. And I, uh, ended up back in the corporate world at Google, um, mostly out of necessity because it just, Mm -hmm. my, my acting career, my career in entertainment wasn't working out, but I continued to do stand up uh, while I was at Google. So I never really gave it up. I would get my coworkers to come to my shows and, mm-hmm. you know, I'd write some material about my, uh, my coworkers. I even did some stand up at one of our offsite events. Um, so I, uh, I never really, I never really gave it up. I think that the, the article about meetings was the first time that I took the comedy and the entertainment that I liked and combined it with what I really knew for my day-to-day life, which was, uh, office life and, and meetings and everything that happened in the corporate world and putting those two things together really resonated with people. And that was the first time that I had done that. And so when that happened and when I saw that, you know, millions of people really loved it and shared it and read it and commented on it and wanted more of it, I think that was the first time that it kind of validated for me that this was something that I could do. Um, before then it was just like, small shows here and there, but until you have like a huge audience saying, Oh, this is what we want. This is what we like. It kind of helped me realize that this was, um, a a career path that I could actually take. Right. Okay. This is super helpful. I, I just want to make sure that I get the timeline, right? So you were first a designer with Yahoo, uh, Mm -hmm. but but you'd always wanted to be an entertainer. And so you actually quit Yahoo to try out acting. Uh, and, and that was for how long, like a few years? Three years. Three yeah. years. Wow. Okay. And uh, did you go to like LA? I was in Atlanta actually because okay. I was I moved back in with my parents because that's yeah. what you do when you yeah. Don't really have yeah any no, I understand. <laughs> no, but that that I mean like you you really gave it the, your best shot. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. And so for three years you tried acting, it didn't work out, and so that's why you decided to join Google because primarily you needed some source of income. Yes. Uh, mm-hmm. But while you were at Google, you continued to do something or the other with comedy. So that was either performing or or, or you started blogging. Uh, yeah. Was there any um, uh, strategy around, uh, you know, I, I, I was reading your blog post around how you got the book deal. So it clearly seems that, you know, you learned a lot of things along the way before you left Google. So uh, tell us a little bit about when the article went viral. Um, mm-hmm. and th- this was how long it, like you were at Google for about three and a half years, right? Four years. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So between the idle, uh, the, uh, the article going viral and you leaving, how long was that? Six months. Six. Okay. So th- not that long. So mm-hmm. once the article went viral, what did you think? Um, well, I didn't expect it to go viral. I think I released the article, um, around the 4th of July, uh, in 2014, and, um, it just really took off and, uh, I was a little scared even to release it because I didn't want my coworkers to think that I was <laughs> yeah. making fun of them, yeah. um, which I kind of was making fun of them. Um, and, uh, it was so exciting. I, I just remember, I think we were on vacation somewhere and I just remember, you know, my, my Twitter blowing up and everything just blowing up and it was just like a really exciting thing to happen. It was just, I, you know, I, I, one of those moments where you just feel really, really proud of something and you're just really excited about how much attention it's getting. 
Um, and, uh, you know, I, a few weeks later I was back at work and people at work were talking about it. And, um, so I think pretty quickly I just started to think about the next thing that I wanted to write and it became something that was taking up more of my time than it probably should have been taking up, um, as someone who, uh, you know, still had a full-time job right. and all that stuff. So, um, how, how long I st- uh, uh, before the article went viral, when you were doing sort of these shows, etc., like on an average, how much time were you spending on comedy per week? Um, I was spending, I don't know. It, it depends. Like if, if I had a show, I would probably spend, um, five or six hours a week. If I didn't, then I probably, I might not write anything, mm-hmm. you know, for yeah. a week. So okay. it really, it really, um, depended on what I was doing. And did you share your, um, you know, sort of your the amount of time and your passion for comedy very openly with people at work? I mean, you. I don't know if there's a right or wrong answer. I'm just curious how you did it. Yeah, I did. I mean, people knew that I did stand up, and people came to my shows, and um, yeah, they they all they all knew that it was something mm. that I did in my spare time and that I was excited about. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, so you said that once the article went live and and it went viral, then you were uh, just immediately thinking about what to do next. What was the turning point in you saying that okay, I think I'm going to quit Google and I'm going to do this full time? Um, I think uh, <laughs> I feel like there was probably some um, there was some moment where I was. I think it was an event or something that I was expected to present something, you know, about the the future of the product or the future of the team or something like that. And I really just wasn't that excited about it. And I, it was one of those things where, uh, you have to, in a position where like you're, um, supposed to be leading a team, you're supposed to be getting them to be excited about something. And it's very hard to get other people to be excited about something if you're not that excited about it. And I kind of felt like I was, um, sort of being not as not the person that I wanted to be. Um, and that wasn't a great feeling, um, just because, you know, life is short and it's hard to be doing something that if your heart's not in it, um, and in addition to that, I, I knew of uh, friends who had left Google um, who pursued other things. Some of them ended up back at Google. Some of them ended up very happy. And I just knew that taking the chance to uh, leave and try something new wasn't as big of a chance as I thought it was. And in fact, staying and not trying seemed like uh, like a, a bigger risk mm. um, in terms of, you know, what you're going to do with your life this one life that you have. Um, so I think I just, you know, I started talking to my fiance at the time about it. And I talked to my parents and of course everybody was like, are you sure you want to do this? Cause you know, you're, you know, you love Google. You're really happy there. And it's true. I really was happy there and I really love the people there. Um, but I just felt really, really passionate about writing. And it just felt like my passion for writing was just growing beyond my passion for what I was doing at work. And so, you know, once ever I kind of had, you know, everyone's sort of blessing and everyone understood, you know, that I, I really wanted to do this. That's kind of when I told my boss that I was, I had yeah. decided to leave. 
which is i mean that's awesome and I, i'm sure I'm, i know it takes a lot of guts to do something like that so hats off to you uh what was your how would you describe your that your state as a comedian i i don't know if i'm using the right words but i'm just trying to understand like you know apart from the article going viral did you try and get yourself in a certain position before leaving or was it just like hey you know i just i really do not want to be doing this full time job anymore and i want to focus on <laughs> comedy full time yeah i mean looking back i wish i had gotten myself into a, a better uh, state but i really had no idea what i was doing um i didn't have a book deal i didn't have any any idea of how i was going to make money all i thought to myself was i'll c- keep writing i'll make videos i'll just make stuff um mm. and so looking back i wish you know i i had stayed maybe another 6 months at google and kind of thought through how i was going to make money and all of that stuff um yeah. Yeah. but i really had no plan which is i mean which is fine i mean but because up until this point you weren't really making money off of comedy correct when you left right yeah yeah okay, okay. And then did you give your was did you have a backup plan when you left? Um my backup plan was just to go back to Google and I think mm-hmm. that I, you know, I I say that I wish I had had a better plan because that that's what happened the first time I, you know, when I left Yahoo, I again, I didn't have a plan and I ended up um back in the corporate world and I, you know, when you leave um a company to do something on your own, you don't want it to just be a flash in the pan. You don't want it to you don't want to in it within a year uh be so stressed out about money that you can't do the thing that you left work to do in the first place mm-hmm. and i kind of found myself in that position within 3 months i was stressed about how i was going to make this sustainable but at the same time i was trying to be creative and it's kind of hard to be creative when you're stressed out um and so uh i i kind of had a you know i knew i could always go back to google but then i i think I, in the back of my head i was like wait i'm going to do the same thing I did before where it was just like giving up, you know, giving up again. Yeah. Um and I didn't want to do that. Uh yeah. so that yeah, if if I would give anybody any advice it would be to to have some plan of how you could make it sustainable. So have your revenue model figured out before you leave. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Okay. At least know like what the next 4 year, 4 or 5 years would look like if you, you know, were going to be on your own without a steady income. 4 or 5 years is a long time. Um, yeah, maybe yeah. maybe three, <laughs> maybe three. Uh, but it, but it's good that you had the option of going back to Google. Is, is that something that you consciously tried to sort of, uh, you know, make sure that that was an option before you left? Oh yeah, absolutely. Okay. I okay. I knew I I knew what it would mean to go back. I knew that if I went back within a year, I could still have my same Google email address and okay. um, all of that stuff. I you know my. my bot my manager my team everyone made it very clear that i was always welcome back there and i i think that, that knowing that helped a lot in terms of just having a bit of a safety net um to where i, I felt like I, you know it's not like i i was cutting things off and burning bridges you okay. know i i made yeah. sure that i could always go back if i if i wanted yeah. to no that's good to know because that's some you know that's something for others to keep in mind yeah. uh, keeping that option open uh, did you give yourself a timeline Um I told myself that I did want to have a book deal within the first year. Um so that was something that I started working on pretty quickly is how I was going to put together a proposal, what the book would be called and how I would go about finding an agent and all of that stuff. And so yeah, I I did give myself a uh, a deadline for that. 
Yeah. Okay. And you know, one thing which which I think is important to call out is that you didn't just leave. I mean, you did have a major article, like going majorly viral, correct? So I'm yeah. sure you must have. What was your audience at that time? Uh, what do you mean? Like, how big was it? Um. Well, on Medium, the article was get you know had a few million. Uh, I think, well, yeah, almost three million views. Mm-hmm. Um. And then that's when I started the Cooper review and, um, you know, I was, it was still pretty small. I was getting, you know, thousands of views, but not, you know, not a, not a lot of, uh, you know, people signing up for my newsletter or anything. Cause I right. didn't even realize I was supposed to have a newsletter. So it took me a few months before I realized I should get people to sign up for my newsletter. Right. Um, so it was still pretty small. I mean, in terms of like dedicated active audience, I would say maybe a few hundred. Yeah. No, but still, I, you know, you still had a few hundred who were dedicated to whatever you were doing, and uh, you, one article got millions of views. I mean, that's pretty big. So it's it's not like you were starting from complete zero when you left. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, what were some of the unexpected things when you left? Right after you left. Um, I think I felt like um, you know, without a full time job, I would get so much done. And that just wasn't true. Uh, I thought that I could do, I could write an article every day or I could make a video, you know, every day or, you know, I just thought there were so many hours in the day and I I got really, really, really frustrated at myself because I wasn't being more productive until I think six months or eight months later, I was like, you know what, I can get one thing done per day. You know, I could maybe do one article like that I'm really proud of maybe every few weeks or maybe I just release one per month. You know, like I kind of realize now more what it takes to, to create something that, you know, you enjoy creating and that you're proud of. It just takes time. And so I think um, that's the misconception a lot of people have is that they mm-hmm. think your job is the reason you're not getting a lot done. And, and it might be part of it, but even with a lot of time on your hands, you still might not get very much done. Yeah, yeah. no, you're absolutely right. And, you know, maybe it even helps to have something else to yes. do so, so that, you know, you're, you're not always stuck on that same thing. Yeah, I mean, I, my mom always said, you know, if you want something done, give it to someone who's busy, um, which I never really understood until I didn't have much to do. And I realized how little I got done, the less I had to do. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, you know, uh, really focusing on my scheduling and, and figuring out um, how to make myself productive like took a long time and it's still a process that I'm going through now. Yeah, it's just you right now, correct? Like it's yeah, yeah. Okay. You know, in hindsight now, I mean, since leaving Google, how long has it been now? Um, three and a half years. Okay, so yeah. your decision has clearly paid off. Uh, I don't. Do you have any regrets at all? Um. You know, looking back, everything kind of worked out. And so I, I wouldn't say that I have um, any regrets. I, uh, I, I, th- I feel, I always feel like I should be further along than I, than I am. Um, but, you know, then again, I, I, I have gotten a lot done. So, you know, I kind of just have to, you know, be appreciative of what I've gotten yeah. done, with, but at the same time, want more. I mean, it's awesome. I, like, I'm speaking as an outsider. I think what you've done is absolutely amazing uh, because I would say 99% of the cases, you you wouldn't have made 
people wouldn't have made it at all because it's not easy to make it as a comedian it's it's so hard uh, so mm. what do you think are some of the key things uh that you've done either while you're at google or after leaving that have enabled you to see the success that you have today um apart from being a good comedian i mean that goes with yeah. without saying <laughs> I'm sorry, can you repeat the question? So so the question is that, you know, are there, you know, do you think there are certain things that have been instrumental in in helping you get to where you are today? Like, you know, maybe something that you did, for example, you know, maybe you've been very focused on making, on building your audience as an example, or maybe uh, the fact that you decided to yeah. put something out there like a book so that you have, you know, a concrete thing to show or... I, yeah, I don't know a few, other things. A few things. Well, first of all, my I have a um, sort of a closed Facebook group of uh, fa- friends and family hmm. who are like my sort of trusted testers <laughs> for content that I'm doing. And I really don't, I couldn't, I, I started this group after a friend of mine. She said she did the same thing for her content and I tried it and uh, they've be- they've become invaluable to me in terms of just being able to bounce ideas off of because mm-hmm. the biggest thing that I miss about working at a company is being around people. Um, I you know I don't mind being by myself, but it does get lonely. You know, writing and, and sitting at home because I work from home a lot of the time is it does get lonely and you kind of feel like I you know I want to bounce ideas off someone. I want to collaborate. You know, I want to do something that's not just on my own. And so being able to like throw things out there to that group whenever I need to and get, you know, and, and just knowing that these people care about me and want to see me succeed. And so these are the best people to ask for their, you know, opinions and they'll be honest with me, but, um, they also, you know, don't want to see me fail. So, uh, that's been, that's been incredible. Um, my, my next book is based on an article I did called, um, non-threatening leadership strategies for women. And, uh, I had this idea for this post, um, for several weeks and it really like getting the feedback from that group in terms of like how to make it funny and how to not make it, how to make it clear that it was a joke and all of those things was, was just like huge for me. Um, because one of the things that people think, oh, you're a comedian, you just know what's funny. And it's just not true. Like I, some things that I think are hilarious don't do well at all. Some things that I think aren't funny at all, people laugh like crazy at. So honestly, a lot of it is, is trial and error. And so that group has been really, really helpful mm. for me. Yeah. Um, another thing was, uh, I started, um, my own personal brand website, about six months ago, okay. which kind of just features uh, my stand-up comedy and my speaking and my books and just kind of like more Sarah Cooper as as um, a personal brand. And that has done wonders in terms of getting me um, speaking gigs, which pay really well and just kind of getting my name out there more. And I really had no idea that it would it would really be so instrumental in, um, in that part. Um, so that's that was huge, hugely helpful. So the, um, when you say it's personal brand website, that's uh, sarahcpr.com? Is, is yeah. That, okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. All right. A- yeah. Anything else? Were you about to say something else? Um, I would have to say my husband, um, <laughs> just because I think, you know, if, if that's the one, one of the big things that was, you know, I, I've tried going out on my own. This is my second time now. And I think, you know, having a partner uh, versus not having a partner, like, really made a lot of difference to having someone 
there for me. So I, I feel like that that's been a big help as well. Yeah, I can imagine, especially, you know, if in the beginning, you're trying, you know, you may not have any income for a while. So you need to have someone yes. who's willing to support you. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, exactly. So I, I just want to touch upon some of the points that you made. I think the point that you brought up about feeling lonely is probably very, very applicable if you do not have a team, so to say, and you're going out entirely on your own. Was that, I mean, was that a challenge? Like, did you try and do something to figure out what to do about it? Um, it took me a while to admit to myself that I want to be around people because um, I, I always thought of myself as an introvert, but I think I'm more of a lazy extrovert, which is like, I like being around people, but yeah. I'm lazy and I don't uh, push myself to be around people as much as I should. Um, and so I you know, joined a co-working space and I, um, started going there. Um, but I realized it's a balance for me. You know, I want to go there maybe a couple times a week, but I don't want to go there every single day. Uh, and so really putting myself, putting, you know, going to a coffee shop, like, you know, overhearing conversations, just being around people, uh, just makes a, a big difference in terms of, um, not feeling lonely, but also just not feeling like you're getting, life, you know, life happening mm -hmm. as a writer, you know, you have to experience life to have something to write about. And so, uh, that, you know, just seeking out experiencing, saying experiences, saying yes to things, uh, is, is huge. Yeah. No, I can imagine because especially if you're completely on your own, like it, it can start to get claustrophobic very quickly. And that's mm -hmm. one advantage of having a job that at least you're around people for yeah. some part of the day uh, and then um, so I, I we're coming to a close uh, I am very curious about your non-threatening leadership strategies for women can you share one or two examples sure um, uh, one of my favorite ones is the uh, email version where you're you know instead of uh, just being very direct you put lots of smiley faces and exclamation points and emojis and I find this is something that I do a lot to seem more approachable or nice in my emails and women write to me all the time saying I can't stop doing it I'm always putting exclamation points when I don't need to and things like that so um, that's a good one I think uh, another one is uh, feigning ignorance, uh, which is, you know, instead of saying, you know, these numbers are wrong, say, oh, are these numbers right? I don't know. I don't even like numbers, you know, things like that. Just making yourself seem, uh, pointing out a mistake while also just saying you don't really know what you're talking about. Um, and that's, you know, something I used to do as well too. Just like, hey, I don't know anything, but this doesn't look right to me just to uh, kind of soften the blow when you're telling oh, someone God. they made a mistake. I don't know or if that's funny wrong. or sad. It's yeah <laughs> oh god okay yeah so, so your, when is your book coming out it's coming out in october okay all right so uh sarah if let's say someone is in a similar position like back when you were at google but let's say they haven't had a viral article right like they're they just want to do this and they're super passionate about it they're spending time on it but it's not clear if it will go anywhere what would be your advice to them um my my biggest piece of advice would just be to keep going in terms of creating things. Uh, the, the year before I put out that article, I, I started a, a different website that was kind of 
um, the onion meets Cosmo, uh, which was just kind of making fun of women's magazines. And I did that for a little while and it didn't do very well. And I ended up not doing it anymore and, and closing it down. Um, and then a year later I released the 10 tricks to appear smart meetings and that really did well. But I, you know, I feel like everything is a process. Um, the one thing that you do right now that doesn't do well might lead to in a year you doing something that does do well, but you really needed that thing to fail first before you could get to the next thing that would succeed. And so don't let it discourage you. Um, just keep creating things. Um, and that's kind of how you're going to find that thing that really resonates with people, um, that, you know, that you enjoy writing about and that, you know, people will want to talk about and share and stuff. When, when you went through these failures, like these are quote unquote failures, I guess, um, were there certain things that you still got out of them? For example, they put you in touch with people uh, that you wouldn't have been able to meet otherwise, or um, I don't know, you learned yeah. something about the way you write. Yeah, I am. Um, you know, I, I, I started accepting contributors to that site, that very short-lived uh, Cosmo meets the Onion site. Um, and now I'm accepting contributors to the Cooper Review. And I think you know, realizing that that's, you know, figuring out that process and what that, you know, mm. what, how that works on WordPress and like how that works in terms of like establishing those relationships, you know, was, is part of the thing that I, yeah. I sort of learned from that. Um, I think I also just, you know, learned a lot about creating a site and creating, uh, uh, like a, a platform. Um, so yeah, you, you'll, you'll definitely, you know, learn things. And I, I definitely learned things through those, those failures. Yeah. All right. Thank you so much, Sarah. This was so helpful. Uh, where where can people find you? Um, you can find me at the cooperreview.com. Um, a bunch of articles there. Um, you can also find me at sarahcpr.com, which is uh, more of my, my personal site. And then from there, you can find me on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and all those places as well. Yeah, I, I, I love your material. So I, I really encourage everyone to check it out. And thank you, sir. It's so good to hear from someone who's made the transition and be honest about the, you know, it is a challenge. It's not easy to pull off. Um, yeah. So thank you for sharing and all the best. Thank you so much. Okay, take care. Bye-bye. Bye. All right, I hope you enjoyed the discussion. Just before you leave, do remember to sign up for our newsletter on our website, learneducatediscover.com, where we share updates on new episodes, a lot of career-oriented resources, and a lot of other inspiring stories and videos and podcasts that we find online. So do check it out at learneducatediscover.com. You'll also find the library of all the other podcasts that we've done in the past on the website. Of course, if you have any questions at all, or if you just want to say hello, you can always email us. Just drop us a mail at hello at learneducatediscover.com or tweet at us at LED underscore curator. That's LED underscore C-U-R-A-T-O-R. Of course, you can like us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash learneducatediscover or you can also subscribe to the podcast on either iTunes or SoundCloud or Stitcher or wherever you listen to your podcasts. All right, that's it for today. Thank you so much for listening and for your time. And until the next one, Bye-bye.